This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports Station. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Well, we have spent a ton of time previewing the Mariners season. Everybody's excited. We were all in just absolutely captured by the top 10 list on MLB.com. And then we would kick and scream and talk about where everybody was placed. And here to explain all of it and tell us why it happens the way that it does with MLB Network and MLB.com. He does great work for both. He's with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. He is Mike Petriello. How are you, man? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's it's good to have you. Hey, before we get into the Mariners specifically and all that, I, the top 10 list is is a great thing at each position. I think it's really cool because it creates conversation. It's all subjective. And and I'm curious, with the final rankings that came out at each spot, did, did you find some that really differed? Like, were you looking at any names up there going, well, how is this guy in this spot? How is this guy not even on the list? Well, I can confirm from my Twitter feed that it definitely generates conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly true. Yeah. So the, the like quote unquote official feed, um, it's actually done by the shredder, which is their home brewed projection system. So there's no human input into that. Uh, it's entirely, they're just kind of come up with projections and it's always different a little bit for mine, just partially because they've got rules about who's eligible. So, for example, I put in Corbin Carroll on my top 10 center fielder list, who's Arizona's center fielder, because I think he's going to be fantastic. Even though he barely played in the majors last year, he didn't play enough to meet their eligibility standards, right? So that's one obvious difference. And then the other thing, too, is since they're kind of looking backwards a little bit more, they're basing it on the previous two years of stats. And obviously I'm taking into account what happened on the field, but I'm doing a little more projecting forward, you know, including age and thinking, well, who do I think is going to be the best guy in just 2023? I don't care about who had the best war of the last five years. I don't care about who's going to be the best guy for the next five years. It's just who do I think is going to be the best or second best or whatever at this spot in 2023. Uh, and it's always fun to do, even if I'm not always right. Hey, uh, Mike, uh, so tell us about uh, how, how many different people are coming up with these top 10 lists and, you know, when, when the ultimate one comes out, because we saw Cal Raleigh on a few of those and we thought, well, maybe he'll end up in the top 10. He didn't, but um, just kind of take us through that, that process of how they, they compile those lists. Yeah, there are five different lists, I believe. One is the Shredder, like I said, the official list, uh, which is just projection-based. And then we have four human-based lists, um, at least among those of us who do all the positions. They get a former player to do like one for the position they played. Uh, myself, uh, Sarah Langs, uh, Vince Gennaro of Sabre, and then Brian Kenny, who's the host, we all come up with our own top 10 list at every spot. We don't talk to each other beforehand. Uh, we compare notes the morning of the shoots because we shoot all of them on one day. But otherwise, we do it independently. And since at least Sarah and Vince and myself comprise like the stat nerd panel, certainly we're coming at it from a, a similar point of view. Um, but it's always fun to see where, where we differ. For example, I think I was the only one to have Aaron Nola on my starting pitcher in the top 10 list, which was surprising to me a little bit. On the other hand, we all had Francisco Lindor number one, except for Brian Kenny, who had him like number seven at shortstop. So it's those differences that always, you know, create for great conversations on the air there. Uh, I would imagine you get a lot of uh, a lot of feedback from fans who feel like their players were not properly represented at certain positions. And, I, and I'm just curious from a Mariners perspective, I, I, I would say I was a little surprised that there were as many Mariners represented as there were. Did you agree with all of those? And, and were there any like Cal Raleigh or any others that you thought would have made the list that didn't? 
Yeah, I mean, for my own personal list, I think I had three Mariners. Cal Raleigh made my catcher list, Julio, obviously, in center field. And Teoscar Hernandez made my right field list. The only other one I remember that came very close was Ty France, who was just missed. You know, I think I had him as my number 11 first baseman. Um, And so people are like, oh, he didn't make your list. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, at the end of the list, like number 8 through 13 are essentially tied. (laughs) And basically pick any direction you want. Um, Oh, actually, I lied. I forgot Colton Wong, the Mariner now. He also made my, my list. And that was kind of it. Like there weren't a number of guys who I thought, at least on the Mariners, that were were that tight. Like uh, definitely Julio was going to make my list, and definitely Cal Raleigh was going to make my catcher list. Um, but as much as uh, I like a lot of their pitchers, the only one that came up in my thinking was Luis Castillo. And the problem there is there were like 31 different guys I wanted to have on my top 10 starting pitcher list. I didn't get guys like Max Scherzer or Spencer Strider on the list. So, you know, when I look at it from that point of view, um, I guess it kind of came out the way I wanted to. But I think the thing that confuses fans is they'll look at the number of players on the list and equate that with the quality of the team. And it's not always true. I mean, there can be a team that doesn't have many guys on the list, but they're just so deep everywhere. They're still going to be a a good quality team. Um, For me, the most interesting thing here was, is next year the year that Julio beats Mike Trout at number one? Not there yet, but I feel like I'm getting there soon. Well, Mike, tell us about Colton Wong. We've talked a lot about him coming off a year where he had 17 errors and didn't bat well against lefties, but we we talked to him. Great guy. Uh, really excited about his future, but what did you see in him? One of the weirdest years, I think, of anybody, because as you said, this is a guy who's very well known for his glove, and the glove was very poor last year. On the other hand, he had his career best hitting year, you know, 15 homers and 17 steals. And if you look at the last two years, um, he, he kind of had some of the best hard hit years of his career. And I remember looking at him when he was basically like, uh, I, I kind of decided to swing harder before two strikes and then have a two strike approach on two strikes. And that'll get me some more power early on, which I think worked out. Now, the big question here is what's going on with the glove. So I actually dug into this late in the year and I think I'm comfortable saying I mean, the the metrics were correct that it was a bad defensive year because he even said it. I think it's kind of fluky. Like, I I watched a lot of the plays, and it wasn't that he couldn't get to balls. It was just that they were weird plays. You know, the arm has never been great. That's not going to change now. I think what happened was his speed declined by a lot, and we know he had leg injuries, right? So it comes down to health. If, If he's an average fielder with the bat he had last year, that's a pretty good player. If he's back to a very good fielder with the bat he had last year, that's an all-star. I'm not betting on it at 32, um, but I don't think there's any reason the defense can't bounce back, and I think that's a quietly very good move for them. So overall, just looking at what the Mariners did in the offseason, how much better are they than they were when they ended last season, in your opinion? Well, they were a 91 team last year, and I, I think that's kind of about where I would have them this year. Uh, one thing in their favor, for certain, is you're going to get a full year of Luis Castillo obviously a uh, starting pitcher and you hope you get a little bit more out of Julio Rodriguez than you did. There's some other places I'm not so sure about. Like I've never been a huge fan necessarily of Crawford at shortstop. I think he's about average for me. The biggest change is going to be in the outfield. Obviously they made a lot of changes in the outfield. I really liked getting to Oscar Hernandez. I think that's going to be a big bat. I don't trust any of the left fielders at all. So I guess what I'm trying to say is some parts up and some parts down and otherwise the 91 team seems about right to me again. 
No, it's going to be Jared Kelnick and left, Mike. <laughs> we yeah, hope. Yeah, so we they hope. say. We'll we sure, yeah, we sure <laughs> hope so, man. It would solve a lot of problems. But, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. And then and, and as far as Cal goes, going back to him, uh, you definitely uh, – you said you definitely wanted him in your top ten. Tell us about – he started out really rough, but uh, we just we just had lunch with him the other day. This guy is one of the most solid down-to-earth guys. And just tell us uh, what impressed you so much about him. Yeah, he's a really good example, I think, of the difference between old school stats and new school stats. Because I think if you were to just look at, you know, what did he hit, 210, right, with like 60 RBIs, you'd say, okay, that's that's fine, whatever, not so good. But what I looked at it was uh, because he's got very, very good power. And I don't even just mean the 27 home runs. I mean, if you look under the hood, the stack has metrics on him are very strong. Uh, like 95th percentile or whatever in barrels, which is essentially part hit balls in the air. And you compare that with really good framing, right? Like it doesn't take that much these days to be a catcher who stands out metrically. And if I see a guy who's good defensively with very good power, I don't care about his batting average that much. And considering it was his first full year in the major leagues, there's still some room for improvement because the on-base percentage was not that great. Strikes out a lot, obviously. Um, but you take those two things, big power, big defense. It's almost like a sort of store brand Sean Murphy, and everybody loves Sean Murphy. Hey, it's just back to the Mariners offseason for a moment. So you've got you look at them as is kind of what they were last year, a 90 win team, which doesn't represent that step forward. We all wanted to see them take. I've I've some somebody who's been on the other side of it, feeling a little underwhelmed by what they've done. I think there's potential, certainly, if if Colton Wong reverts back and if A.J. Pollock reverts back. And, you know, there's a lot of ifs attached to guys coming off down season. So. We'll see, but I was a little underwhelmed. Did you expect that they'd be more aggressive? Were there guys out there that perhaps you thought would be really good fits with this team that they didn't pursue? Well, I don't think I'm breaking any news when I say that they absolutely should have been in on one of those shortstops, right? The middle infield is not necessarily a strength last year. Like like I said, I was surprised when I think before any of those shortstops even signed, when they came out and said, no, J.P. Crawford's our shortstop. And I don't mean to speak ill of him. He's been a solid player, but he is not the kind of guy I think that should stand in front of adding Trey Turner or, you know, Carlos Gray or any of these other guys. And they didn't. And the, the issue I think I have here is if you look at the lineup right now, even if, as you said, big if, if Colton Wong can still hit like he did last year, if Suarez's rebound was for real, you still have the bottom third of that lineup, which is something along the lines of Crawford, Pollock, and Kalanick. And that's a weaker bottom third than I think a contending team really should have. Like, I like they got Teoscar Hernandez. It's great. But I, I think they missed an opportunity to get that big superstar bat. And I do kind of think that's going to come back to bite them. You know, are they a playoff team? Probably. Are they close to the Astros? I don't think so. Mike, what do you expect uh, from the the shift going away? I don't know if the, the pitch clock is necessarily going to affect the game. Obviously, it's going to go faster. But as far as, uh, you know, I've heard people talk about hard hit balls are going to be uh, those those uh, hitters are going to be rewarded. But when you when you think about the game without the shift, what what comes to mind? I, I'm so excited for it, not because I'm in favor of it, because I'm generally not, but just because as a baseball writer, I like sources of content, and this is going to be a great one, because <laughs> as you sort of said, people, I think, think way too much of this. I, I can't, I live in New York, right? I can't tell you how many times I've heard people on the radio call up and say, Anthony Rizzo is going to hit like 290 this year after hitting 220 last year. It's just not going to work that way. 
I think what people forget is that this is maybe banning the extreme shift, but it's not banning positioning. You're not anchoring these guys with the four traditional infield spots. You know, if, if you want that hit up the middle as a lefty hitter, the shortstop is still going to stand up the middle. He's just going to be one side of second base. It's more of an aesthetic change than anything in the sense that it's going to make baseball look like people are, are used to having it look, which is fine. I have no problem with that. Um, but I just, I don't think it's going to make as much of a difference as people want it to. Even for the extreme guys, like Joey Gallo is a great example. Joey Gallo's problem is not a right fielder or a second baseman standing in right field. His problem is that he strikes out 40% of the time. You know, the shift is not going to change that. So for the most part, it, it's going to be interesting to see how people, I think, are shocked when it doesn't add like 70 points of batting average to every left-handed hitter. Now, if Kyle Seeger were still playing, you could count on 35, 40 <laughs> points to his average because he hits a short right field over and over and over. But, yeah, I'm sure it's it's going to be unique to each player, and, and I, I agree with you about Gallo, by the way. Hey, just back to you were talking about the bottom of the order with, with this Mariners uh, as, it, as it projects. I mean, there's nothing official right now, but looking at, you know, J.P. Crawford and A.J. Pollock and then, you know, Kelnick or whoever's part of the platoon with him in left field, I agree with you. There's there's it, it could be great, you know, as we talked about. Maybe Kelnick finds it. Maybe Pollock re- reverts back to form and all that. But what what it does to me is I, I look at Julio in the leadoff spot, which he did a nice job. But I would really love to have him in a position to do some damage, you know, in the in the three spot, in the two spot, even. But if he's in the leadoff spot, he's often going to be up there with the bases empty. If the bottom of the order isn't going to be at least mediocre, I, I just feel like that was kind of the wasted opportunity to really take advantage of what Julio does by bolstering this lineup. You know, especially toward the bottom. Do you, do you buy into that? I totally agree. And I, I say that as someone who generally doesn't pay attention to batting orders because they don't matter that much. But in this sense, you if he's going to lead off, so now you've guaranteed absolutely at least one time a game he comes up with the bases loaded because it's the start of the game. And then, yeah, if he's hitting after Crawford, Pollock, Kellenic, even Rally, right, who might hit number six, good power guy, but he's not a very good on-base guy. All right? So how many times are you having what we all would agree is your best hitter, Antulio Rodriguez, coming up with the bases empty, I don't love that, but I'm with you. What are the other options? You know, Crawford's not a great option. Wong, maybe, but it's it's not great. And uh, I, I think what's going to happen here, so I'm looking at this right now, the Fangraph's projections for next year, just for the position players, not for the pitchers. They have the Mariners overall projected at, I think, 14th or 15th best in baseball, which I think would surprise Mariners fans. It's about league average. I might take the over on that a little bit, but not by a lot. I don't think that's what everybody expected going into this. Like this is going to be our year to have an average or slightly better than average group of position players, which I think they do have. Mike, how many Houston players did you have in your top 10 list and when can we expect their demise? <laughs> I don't think it'd be good radio if I counted all of them off here, but I can tell you <laughs> no, right away. Not in Seattle, Mike, it would not be good here. No, I had, let's see, very, very quickly. Four, I had um, oh five. Okay, so I, Altuve and Jordan Alvarez in second and left, both were number ones there. I had Jose Abreu making it at first, Framber Valdez and Ryan Presley at uh, starting pitcher and Grayfield. Oh, and Kyle Tucker. I had a lot of Astros. Here's the thing: <laughs> the Astros are really good. I'm sorry to say. Yeah. Pena didn't make your list, huh? Oh, he did. He was my last oh. shortstop. Thank oh, you okay. for reminding me about that. You had to ask, Bob. Yeah, I know. Let me throw another <laughs> Astro at you. Do you love this guy? I, yeah. <laughs> Ugh. I, by the way, do you do you think this is something that, that 
follows them the way steroids have followed, you know, whether it's Manny or A-Rod or Clemens or Bonds or any of that. Is this, we, we see how these guys are received even in other uniforms, seeing George Springer going into opposing parks and being booed and things like that. So do you, do you feel like this is something that's got that sort of staying power or do you think this slowly starts to dissipate? I, I think it depends on what time frame we're talking about. If, if you're asking, are these guys going to be booed in opposing stadiums for the rest of their careers? 100% yes. There's, there's not going to be a day where Alex Bregman doesn't get booed everywhere else. But I think if they move to other teams, I mean, we've seen this with uh, Springer in Toronto. He's beloved there. They're not going to worry about that too much. And if you're projecting out further to the Hall of Fame, I, I do think that prevented Beltron from getting in this year, but it's not going to prevent him from getting in long-term. I mean, Altuve is a Hall of Famer in my book, and he is, he's been pretty clear saying, I didn't actually want anything to do with this, I had nothing to do with this. And I kind of look at the guys in the Hall of Fame, including, let's say, Gaylord Perry, who was a former Mariner. Yep. We know he scuffed the ball and spit on the ball for how many years, right? We're going we're gonna to make different rules now. People aren't going to love it. I think all these guys who at least you know have the career and the, and the case to be in will get in because that's not 10, 15, 20 years from now, you know? Well, I guess, Mike, I, I would say that, like, that's the one, biggest mystery in sports, though, is knowing what pitch is coming, right? Or, or are we are we sort of just maybe overestimating how much that that really helped? Yeah. So there were some studies done, uh, I believe, baseball prospectus or five thirty eight or somebody to this. And it basically came to the conclusion that it didn't help as much as you'd think um, for two reasons, right? The first reason is that. If you knew when the pitch was coming, does it help you? Sure, but it, it doesn't make you a 900 hitter. You know, you still got to hit the pitch and mm-hmm. still got to find grass in the outfield. So it improves your game, but it does not make you a perfect hitter. The second thing is they weren't always right. So sometimes they'd send in the wrong signal. And if you think you got a fastball coming and it's a curveball or vice versa, now you're totally screwed. So I don't want to say it totally evened out, but to some extent it did. And I don't want to totally toot my own horn here, but I, I go back to that winter of 2016-17 before anybody knew about any of this. I wrote an article at MLB.com that said, hey, the Astros are going to strike out way less this year because they got rid of all their high strikeout guys. Now they added some more contact hitters, and that's exactly what happened. None of that excuses the morality, the ethics. Obviously, it's like capital W wrong, but I just don't think it helped as much as people wanted it to. It didn't make them a good team. Yeah, it made him more hateable, though. So we like that. Oh, sure, <laughs> uh, absolutely. <laughs> hey, just being out there in New York, I don't, I don't know if you're a Yankees or a Mets fan, but I got to believe if you're if you're a Mets fan, you've got to be. I mean, they, talk about going all in. What have they spent? Close to half a billion dollars. I mean, it's it's an amazing amount of money that's being spent, and it creates a ton of expectations. Certainly, do you look at the Mets as the favorites in the National League? Is there? I know the Padres have a ridiculous lineup as well, and they've spent a ton of money. But what what's the feeling about that Mets team and the amount of money they've put in? Oh, Mets! I'm not a Mets fan, uh, okay. but Mets fans are are stoked. Uh, <laughs> it, not just because of this, but if you remember what the previous ownership was like, and they got all caught up with the Bernie Madoff, this yeah. is a complete 180 year. I, I think the Mets are in an interesting spot where. I think I might pick them to win the World Series, but I might not pick them to win their own division. And I say that because you look at the Phillies, you look at the Braves, you look at the Mets, it's like a three-way tie. I don't know how you pick any of them right now. You know, the Mets spend a ton of money for sure. And you know who, who would be upset about Verlander and Scherzer atop your rotation, but those, those guys aren't young. It's really easy to see somebody getting hurt there. 
And, and at the same time, you know, we saw what happened with the Phillies last year. You don't have to win the division to get to the World Series. You know, if the Mets come in second behind the Braves, to some extent, who cares as long as they get to the postseason. So I, I wouldn't say they're the favorites because there's three good teams in the East and the Padres look great. And even though the Dodgers have had a, a unimpressive offseason, they're still the Dodgers. So you, you look at the top five teams in the National League, I don't think there's huge separation right now. Hey, last one before I let you go, and I asked somebody about this last week. I'm curious to get your take on Trevor Bauer, who, if we're just talking about his ability and talent, is is one of the more talented pitchers uh, in the league, but we all know what's going on off the field, and he's out there to be had. Do we, in your opinion, ever see this guy in a major league uniform again? I It's hard to say never because that's a long way down the road, but it, it doesn't it tell you something that there's not even any rumors of anybody talking to him so far. And I, I think the reason for that, uh, obviously, you know, the, the absolute heinousness of what he's been accused of is part of it, but he hasn't shown any remorse. He has filed lawsuits against reporters who even talked about it. I think in addition to what he's been accused of, it's, it's there's other stuff that makes him so toxic to touch right now. And I think it's going to be really tough for any fan base to sell that to their fans saying, yes, we want to bring this guy in. So I can't imagine it for this year. And I would say the odds are unlikely beyond that. Mike Petriello of MLB.com, MLB Network, does a great job covering the sport of baseball. Mike, always a pleasure to speak with you. Really appreciate you taking some time with us, and hopefully we uh, talk to you again during the season. Thanks a lot, guys. Fun conversation. There you go. There is Mike Petriello. If you missed any of that conversation, you tuned in in the middle of it. It'll be available on the podcast page for you after the show. SeattleSports.com. Just click the podcast tab and click on our picture after the show. It'll be right there waiting for you. Meanwhile, we're about a week away from the quarterback market getting a major shakeup. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports Station. Once again, our thanks to Mike Petriello of MLB.com. As you uh, prognosticated, as you predicted, Dave, a few took issue with his uh, assessment of the Astros and their cheating. He he was certainly not supporting it or defending it. He did he did one he did make one remark though that I thought was kind of funny that they screwed up the signals at times. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> Just the visual of you know somebody's out there with a trash can banging fastball, so the guy's gearing up for the fastball, and here comes here comes the breaking ball, and he's way out in front of it or something, looking back at whoever was banging in the dugout. Like, dude, what are you? You're killing me. You should go back and look at the tape and see if uh, the guy goes over and is like, what the hell yeah. what are you doing? Or maybe they both walk into the tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he made me look silly. I'm eight feet out in front of this pitch. You told me fastball. Well, Two pe- bangs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, and also people were going to, that was going to be poorly received Yeah, here in here in Seattle. I, I do think that there's some to that, that you still got to hit the ball and everything, but it's still such a fundamental cheat. And he did say, like, morally it's it's wrong yeah you know so yeah. not defending it at all but yeah people yeah. Got, people got a little sideways with i think he's right though i think after a certain amount of time passes by people are gonna like well he's still post that era of garbage <laughs> banging that you know the guy had a had a good average or whatever yeah, well, we'll see if it, I mean right now it follows those guys around. George Springer hears it in every stadium he goes to. 
outside of, I guess, Houston and Toronto. Mm-hmm. But they still hear it. And and we'll see what happens if, you know, if Bregman moves on or Altuve moves on or one of the, some of these other guys. Now, they're, they're bit players that, that weren't the faces that have moved on to other situations and don't get booed. Uh, who was it we were talking about the other day? Was it Marwin Gonzalez? Or no, there was a there was a player that was more of a role player that's I think moved on to the Yankees. Was it Springer uh, that yeah, went probably, to yeah. Springer went to Toronto? Places. Yeah, Springer mm-hmm. went went to Toronto, and I remember when they were playing in Buffalo, you could hear a guy in the stands going, "You're a cheater, but I love you anyway." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody, so it's gonna the faces Bregman Altuve. Correa, those are the guys, uh, you know, Beltran's uh, obviously implicated in that. He was on the Hall of Fame. I think it helps. I was like, oh, yeah, wasn't he on the Twins? He was also then on the Red Sox before the Yankees. So Who's Marvin that? Gonzalez has kind of filtered through yeah, and, and he's distilled he, now. He, he's not really that prominent. Yeah. You know, so, you know, maybe those guys are going to slip through the cracks and not not face the ire of the fan base the way Altuve, Correa, Bregman, Springer, those guys will. So. Yeah. We'll see how much it dissipates. Meanwhile, there was a uh, Pro-Am golf tournament going on this weekend, Dave, that Aaron Rodgers won. How about that? And uh, it's kind of a loose atmosphere. I didn't I didn't watch it, but I saw some highlights of it and, you know, different, different interviews that were going on out there. And, you know, a lot of people asking where he's going to end up. Where are you going to go? It's, it's sort of like he's a free agent. Except that he's not right. So, uh, but here he is. He's he's being asked if uh, he's being interviewed here, and being asked if he's leaning in any specific direction as in terms of where he may end up. It's fun to be here. It's such a great event. Fans are amazing. A lot of people yelling different teams they want me to come to next year, um, which has been fun because uh, we got a little uh, inside bet going about which team's going to have the most fans. But uh, it's been fun. I was going to say that for my last question, but you're leading me right into it. Is there maybe like a favorite color, favorite city that you might have on your mind for next season? I'm just going to say that the uh, predominant uh, team that we hear as we're walking is Raiders. A lot of a lot of Raider fans are encouraging me. A lot of Devonte misses you comments. So we're having some fun with it. And then Devontae on Twitter, do you see that? Somebody somebody had tweeted out which what neighborhood is Aaron Rodgers gonna live in? And then Devontae retweeted it and said, Mine. <laughs> so I I don't know. Obviously I'm sure those two would love to play with on the same team. Uh you know, they had a lot of success together in Green Bay, so I'm sure they'd love to rekindle that. Is he gonna go to the Raiders? I don't know. I mean it, it it's interesting the way this is being sort of covered and talked about as if well, the world's his oyster. He'll just he'll pick a team, and that's where he's going to end up. I'm like he's still under contract here. This is yeah. not this is not a free agency tour, right? Yeah. So, by the way, I he he won, right? Yeah. Um, he said he hadn't played since the last off season, like during mm. training camp. So, I wish I could golf that well. I really. That's what I'm going to do as an old man. I'm going to I'm going to take golf lessons. Uh, no, I'm going <laughs> to get golf lessons and then see if I can get good at it. Isn't Romo supposed to be a pretty good golfer? Yeah. yeah. Really good? They should. Yeah. Well, and when they were doing the long drive, I like that a defensive back won it. It was yeah. uh, Mo- uh, not Moyer. Poyer. Yeah, the, yeah, the safety right. for Buffalo. So he yeah, wears number sure. 21 like Paul Moyer. I thought for sure it would be a punter or a kicker because yeah. all those guys golf all the time. Exactly. Well, and usually quarterbacks are good, unless your name's Dave Craig. Uh, but uh, <laughs> That must kill him being oh, as competitive as he is. He's pretty good, actually. But, um, yeah, it's kind of interesting, though, is, is the Raiders. I mean, Oakland was kind of a 
a tough sell for a lot of free agents for a long time. I mean, their facility and everything and their stadium and all that. But now it seems like the players, yeah, I'll break news here. The players love going to Vegas. Yeah. It's yeah. it's like become the new Hawaii. And so, you know, I'm curious. Also, he's got Devontae Adams there. But what is it about the way he talks now? Where it's like, I don't know, there's just something... Unlikable? Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's almost like... Uh, He's talking down to everybody every time he answers a question. Yeah, there there is a different vibe to him. And, and again, I was a staunch defender of Aaron Rodgers for the majority of his career until the last couple of years wow. started to erode a bit. And this, this, yeah, it is, I don't know what the change is. I couldn't pinpoint it, but, you know, you start with all the, all of his opinions and all of his, uh, you know, sort of talking down to everybody else's dumb kind of attitude and, I don't know. There's just something about him that's a little little harder to wrap your arms around, if you will. Well, <laughs> but, I, I, didn't, I don't like it. I didn't like him from the time when, uh, you know, he said something about Russ when they beat the, the, the Seahawks. Like, oh, I guess God wanted us to win. He was oh, kind of right, taking right. a shot at, at Russ. I didn't like that. But then, you know, when, uh, when Jim was on the show, he one time was up there waiting for the press conference, and everybody was at a Pete Carroll press conference, and he was the only guy in the room, and he was really nice. I guess, mm-hmm. you know, he was like, well, what do you got for me, man? Let's just, let's do it. Just you and me, man. You know, and I, I, I was like, okay, now I kind of like him again, but there's no doubt. <laughs> no, You're kind of no, wishy-washy here, Dave. <laughs> well, there's no doubt that he's fun to watch, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I can appreciate him. Right. I, I do really enjoy watching him play because there's, he's just really good. There's something about the way <laughs> the ball comes out of his hand. He looks... It's he effortless. Just flicks it. Remember, uh, he was here a few years ago and ran. He threw a crossing pattern that was really deep. It was to Tunyon, the the tight end, and it was like a sixty yard throw. And he's on the run and just kind of flip, flips it there. So yeah, definitely fun to watch. And you know, I hope he keeps playing. Look, he's he's kind of a good villain, right? Yeah, I think yeah. the NFL kind of needs that. Yeah, but it's isn't it weird the way it's being talked about? Like he can just pick and I'm gonna, I'm going to go play for them. Yeah. Like, well, okay, but a deal's got to be worked out here. Right. And and what are the Packers going to want in exchange? And is a team going to want to pay that price or what have you? So I don't know. It, it's just it's an interesting dynamic because he is under contract for a truckload of money from, from Green Bay. And we'll, we'll see. Maybe he does land in, in uh, Las Vegas. Then what does that mean for Derek Carr, who clearly is of the belief that he's on his way out because he said as much. So... Derek Carr is a guy that that I think is going to have some appeal out there. I think Derek Carr, depending on what they can do with his salary, because he's got a big salary tied to him as well. Yeah. But if they can get something figured out with that, then I, I would imagine he's going to be attractive to a lot of teams out there. The guy, he looks good. I mean, you look at his numbers through his career; he's got good numbers. I don't. We don't watch all their games, so we don't know why they're. You know what he's surrounded by. How how bad is the offensive line? How bad is the defense? How bad is the play calling, I don't know. There's a lot of elements that go into a team winning outside of the quarterback. Well, and, and Derek Carr sort of made some self-effacing remarks that yeah. were kind of, eh, I, I kind of like that. But, yeah, so, you know, we'll we'll see when the dominoes start to fall. Did we get a chance to hear Eli? I was just kind of looking through the, the cuts. Eli, who was a teammate of Geno's, right? And he, he was talking about him after the, the Pro Bowl because he was coaching the NFC, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just curious if we can – Hear that real quick. Well, there's there's uh, there's a reason Gino led the league in, uh, in in completion percentage this year. He's super accurate, 
And, uh, you know, you, you get him seven on seven, not a whole lot of rush. He was picking them apart. So great. I mean, really just a great job by the guys buying in uh, to this game, uh, run, running routes, being precise. The communication was great. And so proud of them for just buying in and go competing and getting the win there. So, yeah, with all, all the dominoes, would you take Derek Carr? Would you rather have Derek Carr or Geno Smith right now? If it's the same number, mm. doesn't doesn't matter. I don't know. I really like Derek Carr. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think you've talked devil, yourself you know. into it, Bob. It's, I mean, <laughs> I think Geno's probably the better fit because he's been here. And he's, he, you know, he, he Pete and everybody, the receivers, the system. I mean, he's he's... He's got it under his belt, and he's comfortable, and he's even when he wasn't starting, he knew it. So yeah. he's he's probably the better option. I, who do I think is ultimately a better, a more skilled quarterback? I'd probably lean toward Derek Carr, but if we're just talking about who's best for this team right now, it's Geno. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think I think it is, too. I think also, yeah, there's always a, uh, you know, whether you get Aaron Rodgers, even if you brought Aaron Rodgers in here, it would there would be kind of some growing pains, right, to mm. – and I think with him, he's probably going to want to do certain things. Uh, Derek, Aaron's going to want to say and yeah, everything that Russ wanted to say and more. Yeah, and Derek Carr, yeah, maybe, maybe he's that way. He doesn't really come off that way, but uh, but Gino, you know, is going to continue to follow the plan. And I think it is valuable to have him in the off season. And then remember, he said he said that uh, he thought they could have done things a lot better or we could have uh, if we'd had more stuff during the off season and some of those OTAs and stuff that mm. you know if we could have basically he was saying if I could have gotten all the reps yeah because he was he was splitting him but uh but yeah with the with the quarterbacks moving around and Aaron Rodgers being part of it Derek Carr I think it's going to be interesting to see how those dominoes fall all right even though it was seven on seven there were a couple things we learned from this Pro Bowl and we'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob this is Seattle Sports Station on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports Station. Coming up at 4 o'clock, we'll speak with uh, Paul Leffler, the voice of Fresno State. Get some insight into a quarterback that was uh, once thought to be a star out here who apparently impressed at the Senior Bowl. Jake Hayner, right? Uh, we'll talk about him. Also, Leffler has uh, got some insight clearly into... Uh, Carr and uh, Devontae Adams and all that. So we can talk about the potential of uh, what, what he sees in him and maybe how would Devontae, how happy would Devontae be with Aaron Rodgers back in the fold out yeah. there? So we'll we'll get into all that stuff coming up at 4 o'clock. But we, we talked about the Pro Bowl quite a bit. You know, the one event I didn't see that we, we had read about or saw advertised with the, the kick-tack-toe? I didn't see that. I saw some highlights of that, and I think was it the AFC Long Snapper. It locked down, I think, the win by snapping it like really high and far. Okay. So he was. Oh, so it wasn't just kicking. Yeah, it was snapping, kicking, and punting. I think. Okay. But I didn't see. You know, there there are players. I think Doug Flutie used to do the drop kick. Yeah. You remember that? I think he did. That's that's pretty. That that takes some talent. Remember, uh, in <laughs> in the longest yard, he did the drop kick, and the guy was confused by it. Remember that one of the guards was, you don't remember that scene? He goes, what was that? He goes, drop kick. Drop kick? What is that? What is that? Two points. Two points? Yeah, I just remember the the one where the quarterback said, let this guy go, and then he hits him in the nuts with the uh, the spiral. 
Yeah, <laughs> repeatedly. <laughs> that's the that's the one play I remember. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was that was good. But meanwhile, so we we've talked a lot about what was happening out there. It was seven on seven, and there's no tackling and all that. So you you sort of keep everything in 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 perspective here. But um, who are you impressed by? Even though that is the case, because you you echoed exactly what I was thinking. Is man, these guys look fast. Yeah. The big guys look fast. The tight ends look fast. All the guys we point to during the season going, he doesn't look that fast, but he's blowing by people. But you see him without the pads and just shorts and a T-shirt, you're going, George Kittle's fast. He, he really yeah. looked like it. I, I wish we could have seen Travis Kelsey out there because he's a guy that he just blows me away how he's he's like Tyler Lockett. He's always open. He runs by people. On TV, just doesn't really look that fast, but clearly is. And I think he's probably one of those guys – had he been out there, would have had the same reaction to. Yeah. So the one guy I thought looked probably the best, it was just based on a couple of plays. Uh, and and by the way, people are like, oh, big deal. It's flag football, whatever. To me, it, they're all on the same field. They're playing with the same rules and everything. The fact that Gina was able to adapt quickly and just, you know, as far as putting the ball on the money, the guys were running faster. There's no no question. And the some of the the accuracy of like he he adapted to that right away like okay this is where i'm going to put the ball and I, I just thought i thought he was he was really good Usechek and kittle are always guys that i've thought yeah i would love to have that guy especially now you you think about um i'm blanking on the the ravens mark andrews is that the guy that the was tight out end. there the tight end uh, yeah, I think that's his name, right? He caught yeah. a couple of touchdown passes. Yeah, so as far as you know, plucking a player, uh, mine was Micah Parsons. I, I yeah. just think Micah Parsons, first of all, yeah, I just like the way he carried himself, and he was out there with just you know no goofy hat or shades. He was just out there to compete. <laughs> that was a, that was, that weighed heavy in your evaluation. Yeah, I thought I thought I think it means something. What it's if not Gino like, were out there in a big goofy hat with some blade sunglasses on and multiple chains? I would think lesser of him. Yeah, yeah, I would. I really would. I you mean, go, I just think ah, he was okay. I mean, he threw some nice passes, but what the hell was he wearing? Well, here's the thing: does that help you compete? Does well, it no. help you as a make you a better player? Or are you just trying to look cool? And that goes back to the whole thing: is like some guys like being a football player, some guys like playing football. I'll take the latter. Give me the guy that's um, using my hands and getting all fired up here, knocking the microphone down. But, uh, yeah, I, I, to me, that, that means something. And Micah Parsons is just one of those guys that was there to, oh, okay, you want, you want to compete? Let's compete, man. And He's I, all I business. Love that. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, he was, he was one guy, maybe one of those tight ends, just because, you know, we're not so sure what's going on. Uh, at, at tight end and yeah you know I mean, Disley another maybe another will is injury that just uh, who knows what's going to happen there and no fan yeah. is good I, he's not elite and you know you like what what uh, Colby bought brought to the table but yep. again these aren't elite players they they just worked within what you were trying to do and had some good moments right. certainly but yeah are they on the same page same same level as is Kittle or Kelsey or Andrew no no they're just not yeah. So yeah, that was uh that was the one guy that uh you know, and I'm sure a lot of people if they're in another uh, NFL city, I wonder if they're talking about Gino. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty incredible what he's done. And I think so far other than the tweets, which I'm not a Twitter guy, so doesn't really matter, I guess, but other than that, I've been pretty impressed by the things, the way he's handled it and the things that he says. 
and we'll see what it if it pays off. Do you have one that you would pluck? It'd be Micah Parsons. Yeah, I, w- I would have said Micah Parsons going into this weekend <laughs> before we saw one moment of anybody on that field. I I love the way that guy plays, and I think he he is uh, he's a guy that can do a lot, a I, lot of things. He's a problem. Yeah, he is. He's, he's the extra meeting problem. guy, Dave. He's yeah. he's that guy. They don't have an extra meeting guy on defense. He was absolutely beyond question is one of those guys. And I just think he's very versatile. I just, I, I love his, like you, I love his attitude and he's just a, he's a baller, you know? And when you think about it, like the extra meeting guy, whenever we talk about that on the defensive side, it's usually a D lineman. It's usually a guy that comes yeah, off the rusher. edge yeah. or it's, you know, an Aaron Donald type of guy that, you know, can create pressure right away. And the more and more Micah Parsons plays, the more they're, you know, rushing him. And he's just, he's got, he's got great pass moves. He's just relentless. Uh, yeah. I, I really was impressed by him, but yeah, like I said, I mean, you might think, eh, you know, I never even saw Quandre. Did you? Uh, briefly. I don't. I don't remember seeing him or saw that he made a play or anything. I like saw him that. in the dodgeball game. Okay, <laughs> I didn't really watch the dodgeball yeah. game. You know, somebody was saying like, uh, I think somebody got hit in the head or the face, and they were like, "Hey, none of that." And that that's pretty hard to control. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess that was illegal. It doesn't count if you get hit in the head. Who was that? Because they were arguing like, "No, that hit me in the head." Yeah, and I can't remember who that was. Get your head out of the way. Well, they they You're did kind of to their credit. They did bend back, and it, it looked like it maybe ricocheted off their chest and hit them in the face. I don't know, but I'm trying dodge, to remember who the heck that was. Dodge, duck, dodge, duck, dodge, uh, dodge <laughs> dip, dip. <laughs> and dodge, dodge in there again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's two dodgers. All right, coming up. Uh, could a familiar quarterback return to Seattle? We'll talk Senior Bowl, Pro Bowl, and much more with Fresno State broadcaster Paul Leffler. He joins us next here with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710.